And like I'm getting requests to like schedule schedule co-writes and it's like I'm scheduling co-writes from people that live like thousands of miles away from each other and they're just connecting on their computer and writing songs. It's like really neat to watch. Takes a village. <laughs> Takes a village to write a song. Takes a village. I like that. To raise a song. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Loop Community Podcast. We are really glad you're with us today. I've got my two best buds here with me, <laughs> Jansen and Chris. What's going on, guys? Hello, Matthew. <laughs> Hello, Christopher. Christian, actually. Well, so anyways, these guys, part of the Loop Community crew, and uh, we're excited to launch this Loop Community Podcast. And uh, Jansen, tell everybody kind of what you do at Loop Community. So, um, yeah, my official title is Director of Community Support, uh, which basically all that entails is that anytime there is, you know, a support request, some type of email or phone call or any type of issue that anyone has with um, just the products and services that we provide, I just help out by making it a little easier for the community members to um, kind of get their answers uh, on things and kind of get things resolved. Uh, and then I also do uh, a lot of training uh, as well. So any videos that you guys see on Prime or Ableton or Looptimus, I do a lot of troubleshooting and helping the community members kind of understand how to use those products a little better. So that's kind cool. of my whole world. And then Chris, what do you do? I do licensing. So I work with the publishers, mainly in Nashville, request songs to them in order to get them up for sale on the site and kind of help uh, get the actual master tracks from the labels as well. All right, yeah, yeah. Boring. Boring. Yeah. It's the boring stuff. That's right. Lame. Anyways. <laughs> Man, uh, and then my name is Matt McCoy, and I uh, started Loop Community about seven years ago with uh, two other guys, and it's cool. So we're coming to you here from downtown Chicago. Uh, so if every once in a while you hear the sound of a train going by or sirens or maybe a gunshot, <laughs> Just remember that we're here in Chicago, downtown, in the loop. Yes. In the loop, no pun intended. Um, but yeah, that's where our offices are. And so anyways, we're, we're pumped to start this podcast off. And uh, we're going to be rotating in different hosts throughout the uh, life of this podcast. We're hoping to keep this uh, pretty regular. And we've got a lot of amazing interviews already lined up. We're just hoping that it becomes a real resource for people who are part of the community to just learn more about what's going on in the world of loops and multi-tracks. And that also, you know, it's it's used as a thing where we can really learn from each other. Gonna be are good. you excited about that, Chris? I'm excited for this very first interview. What, <laughs> yeah, what, what excites you about it? Because I kind of relate the most to Jonathan and kind of understand his world the best and work with him. Right. And he, he kind of sees all aspects of the industry from the actual musical side to the business side right mm. i'm excited because i understand that world the least <laughs> and so it's always good to kind of get more knowledge about that and understand different roles you know in the music industry and kind of what people do and what makes it go you know turn 
Yeah, so. it is cool to kind of hear from all different aspects because it does take a lot of different people with a lot of different skill sets to make a project happen. And probably if you're listening to this podcast, you know, maybe you're a worship leader at a church. And the same thing, you've got, you've got people with so many different gift sets at your church that it takes everybody to pull something off. And so I think it's cool. What we're going to really try to do with this podcast is celebrate all of those different parts that make something happen, whether it's a tour, whether it's, you know, a church service, whether it's coming up with a new album or whether it's, you know, we're going to interview people that are maybe not even doing music stuff, but something that really applies to, um, to everyone. So our first interview is with who? Jonathan Mason. That's right. Word Worship. Of Word Worship. And Jonathan's been a good friend of Loop Community. So great. For many years. Such a good guy. Honestly, the whole team at Word Worship are amazing people. Yeah. Chris and I were down there not long ago and uh, played some cornhole. We played right in their office, so it was very disruptive to all the other coworkers, but Jonathan (laughs) didn't seem to care. It was pretty loud. Like, every time that bag hit the platform, the whole office just, like, shook. Yeah. But anyways, it was really fun, you know, just hanging out with these guys. These guys have, you know, real hearts to the church and to resource worship leaders with new songs, and they've got a lot of really cool stuff going on. And it's been a huge privilege to partner with Word Worship the past couple years. So... You guys enjoy this first interview with Jonathan Mason. See you guys. Talk to you after. Ta-da! Pop that. There we go. Here we go. All right. Well, Jonathan, it's great to have you on the podcast. Good to be here. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. You're coming to us from where? We are in Nashville, Tennessee. Good old Nashville. Good old Nash Vegas. So you and I go back a couple years. Do you remember where how you and I met? Oh boy. Um, I think we met. It was um, indirectly through the band I was playing with maybe four or five years ago. Um, but the drummer in our band was using are actually contributing to Loop Community at the time. And I think we came through Chicago. And um, I'm not even sure if I actually met you that time or if uh, if it was just him. But I just remember crossing paths with you back then uh, through through my drummer, Andrew. Right. Yeah, I think it was through the band. Andrew yeah. Andrew Pica, or Pika, is it? Andrew Pika, yep. Yeah. He's he's actually now with, uh, with Jordan Feliz playing drums for him so he he moved on to bigger and better things kind of left us high and dry no i'm just kidding (laughs) yeah but i think i think we did meet at intelligentsia coffee downtown chicago when you guys came in to play at a moody event moody moody bible institute yep so we've gone back a couple years and um and now you are the director of word worship right yes sir it's awesome Uh, how long have you been doing that I've been here uh, with Word for two years. Um, I've only lived in Nashville for three years, so kind of a a quick jump into the industry world. Right. And a very different side of the music industry, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Which I want to hear more of in a little bit. Can you just like start off by just sharing, I'm curious, like just what your background is, like where you're from, like how you even got started playing music, how you got connected to the band? Sure. Um, well, I mean, the, the, the real story 
would be like an hour or two. So I'll, I'll condense it down to a, f a few points. Um, but it's really like, for me, my background and how did I get here from where I was, it's, it's a kind of a story of like God's providence. Um, and then just having a heart that always wanted to learn how to do everything, which can, can really be a problem if, uh, if you try to do too much, you'll, you'll never get good at anything. Um, but that was kind of like, I just always wanted to learn how to do everything from play a bunch of instruments to understand how sound systems work to, um, you know, I, I became a manager of a band and started booking bands. And like, I feel like I've just done everything that's connected to the music industry. Right. Um, just like learning under different people. Uh, and then I really, really just land to the council of others that I'm in community with. So, um, I'm, I'm a type that always doubts that I'm actually good at something and I'll have other people tell me, Hey man, you're, you're doing a great job here. You should consider this. And so, um, yeah, long story short, I came from a little town an hour west of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, not really the hotbed of Christian music, but I got really involved in my church there. And when I say it's an issue of God's providence, um, my church just had a lot of people that love music. Um, there was like a donor that opened up a recording studio next door. So, um, and this was back before recording studios were in like everybody's basements. Right. Uh, actually cost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it still does cost a lot of money, but um, it was just, it was a big deal that I was surrounded by people that uh, were in bands and were making music and, um, Kind of that was that was my starting point, and um, as I as I grew up, I started playing with the the band actually that we met you with out in Chicago, and we started traveling. And um, how'd you meet those guys? It was just through uh, I mean the church I was going to. It was a camp that we went to with a bunch of the youth group, and the uh, the band was based out of a Christian camp. So um, it was just it was through going up there, and actually the way I entered the band, it was through. Um, volunteering at the camp and I was like volunteering in the kitchen for a, a winter or something and just in relationship with people there um, right. like, oh you play that oh you play that and it was kind of like we all just yeah right and, um, so then how yeah. did you end up in Nashville well the band so as the band um, I mean I was with I played with them for 10 years and we just we weren't looking to be like a nationally known band we were just serving a need in our region um and uh, we were playing at like churches around the region. We do like four events a year or something, and then we do a monthly gathering on Sundays. And um, and over time, we started getting invitations to play different places. And remember the, the lead singer, um, because we all had like different jobs. We all were worship leaders at our home churches. Um, and he was like, "What if we stop saying no to things? What if we just start to take all these opportunities? Um, you know, what would this look like?" And uh, we all committed to just do it full-time for I think two years or something and that's really the launching point of Nashville was once we stepped out and said we're gonna like take every opportunity that comes in um, we started to get national level events different you know conferences and um, some festivals and yeah, through those through those relationships and doing those things we right. started to get ships in the industry probably people wondering how in the world is this band <laughs> getting these gigs you know like why are they picking this band over the band that's signed to this label, so to speak? Um, so yeah, just a lot of lot of relationship, a lot of serving, just uh, wanting to again fill a fill a mm -hmm. need where there was one. And um, I mean, it wasn't planned. Like if you asked me ten years ago, or if you told me ten years ago, I'd be like right now I'm sitting in an office looking down on Studio B where Elvis recorded. I would say you're absolutely crazy. Um, 
because I, I would have assumed I'd live where I grew up for the rest of my life and being in the music industry was definitely not on my radar but it was just through one relationship after another after another that led me in this direction um and ultimately i uh i look back and i'm like wow every little thing i was doing from right. diving into learning how to run sound at the church to um when our band needed somebody to represent them you know as a manager i just became it and like every little thing there gave me experience for the job i'm now in that's pretty awesome and so now, you know, you're you're not on the road anymore, right? Uh, I mean... Playing music? Not, <laughs> not playing music. I still get to travel, but um, right. not as much as I was, yeah. So you're on the road in a totally different way. So you've been an artist on the road. Now you're the director of this record label. Mm. I mean, those are two totally different sides of, you know, music. How do you think that, you know, this is given you a unique perspective how do you think maybe it's helped you or not helped you as you've kind of now you know you've left the artist on the road you know probably you know packing stuff up into a 15 passenger van you know to (laughs) now being you know at a desk behind a computer probably helping plan tours or planning artist releases sure um i mean it's definitely helped me to empathize with life on the road for the artists that we work with um like i don't take it for granted when I see their schedule. Uh, everybody wants a busy schedule. You know, that's that's how you support yourself in a sense. It's how you get your music out there. But when I see the busy schedule, uh, it reminds me to pray for them. Um, it, it reminds me that they're probably leaving their kids behind or families behind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just because I've done that, that's something. Like, I feel that when I see the dates come up on the calendar. Right. Um And, uh, I mean, ultimately, again, even the reason why I wanted to do the job, I'm I'm doing now it's it's because I felt like when I was in a band and promoting ourselves it always just felt weird um it's weird telling people about what you're doing but um for me it's different surrounding myself with with artists and songwriters that are way better than I'd ever be mm-hmm. and amplifying what they're doing I feel like everybody needs a champion everybody needs somebody um that can spread the word about what they're doing uh, and so it kind of gives me more of a zeal to do that too right um because I know how important it is. Was that hard for you at all, going from, you know, wanting to be, and and you were, like, you know, an artist on the road to then kind of being in the more, like, um, in the seat where you're, like, helping other artists thrive? You know, instead, you know, like, when you're in a band, you're really, like, focusing so much on how do we make our thing go? Yeah. Um, I mean... Not to over-spiritualize things, but I, I really feel like God's always given me desires um, that, that haven't been sinful desires. Like, I loved being in the band when I was in the band, but there was a clear moment when, for me, things shifted. After I'd moved to Nashville, uh, again, for the band, I just had this shift. I remember walking with my wife in a park next to our house, and I was like, I said, Hannah, I... I know this is going to sound crazy. I know we moved here to be in the band, but I don't feel like this is something I'm supposed to be doing anymore. And I didn't just quit the band like cold turkey, just do it right away. But I started talking once again back to the, I trust the council around me. And I started, I talked to the other guys in the band about just how I was shifting. And, um, and this job that I'm now in came about just in a random way. Um, and it's like a dream job I never knew existed. So when I started to learn about what, what it was, my desires totally changed. So, um, to answer the question, 
never looked back. Like I don't miss it. Right. I it wasn't a hard thing for me because it was just such a strong desire to do this. But it was the same thing. I mean, I kind of left out part of my story was I worked at a church for uh, four years while early on in the band years, and I was a music director at a church and. Um, I thought I would be there forever. I mean, I went to Bible school and seminary. I like trained and wanted to have a, a big foundation mm-hmm. uh, to serve in a local church. And the same thing through some circumstances, the church job ended. Um, and when the band had the opportunity to go full time, it's like everything in me was like, we need to do this. So right, it's interesting yeah, me- how I was just going to say it's interesting how there's so many different ways to lead worship. You know, like. Maybe you're not the guy up on stage, you know, leading people into worship, but, you know, you're, you know, you're flying to desk, helping artists, helping other worship leaders do what they do. Churches all over the world, you know, to sing these new songs and, you know, maybe because it's kind of like how even like people who are running like pro presenter at church, like they're leading worship just as much as the people on stage. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's cool, you know, by, by you, like, helping to find these new songs, get them recorded, get them out, um, you know, you're still leading worship for so many people and helping churches lead, mm. which I think is really cool. So you listen to a lot of new songs as as a record label director, I'm sure. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> do you still get piles and piles of songs sent in? on a well probably not cds anymore huh it's all emails thousands of emails there are a lot of emails yeah i mean um i guess it's it's good but uh it's bad and good our email has changed we've had like several different email addresses since i've been here so (laughs) the first one i had um i had a lot of emails like i don't know how everybody gets random people's email addresses but um currently less people have my email address so right just just with our writers alone i mean we probably have three, four, five new songs coming in a day um, that we listen to. Uh, and then obviously our, our artists um, are writing with different people. And so with our with our own crew by itself, um, probably listen to like 20 to 30 wow. new songs a week. So, what, so when you're listening to these, what is it that stands out to you first? Is it melody? You know, is it the lyrics or the performance? Like, does it really matter? Like, you know, the person singing? or how the, how the song is recorded, you know, the quality of the recording? Sure. Um, I mean, if I'm listening to the songwriters that are signed to Word Turn-In songs, for me, the performance of it doesn't matter as much um, because I'm just, I'm listening for like the, the root of the song, the base of the song. Um, I work a lot more on like the worship side of things. So when I hear a song, the first thing I do is I'm, I kind of like picture myself leading it in the church. Right. Uh, I kind of I try to picture myself, like, hearing the church sing it, and if I can do that, then I know that that kind of passes the first, first uh, mm-hmm. check of like, yeah, is this something that's actually congregational? Um, and then I, I try to focus on the lyrics. I mean, if I'm if I'm listening before I read the lyrics, it kind of fools me. But um, oftentimes I'll I'll read like when they attach the the lyric document I'll try to read the lyrics first, right? So that I don't get tricked by a melody because um, sometimes I don't know like when when the melodies when the melodies come and kind of distract you you'll be hearing this beautiful melody and you won't really realize it's something they said uh, maybe the tense has changed or maybe 
maybe something's just totally wrong theologically and i yeah. feel like the melodies can kind of trick you but the melodies have to be good too so it all matters it's just um i guess that's the way i do it so but then if somebody's sending in a song from outside of word um yeah the performance does matter where you want to put your best foot forward right um because you, it's yeah so i mean you've probably heard it all you know the best to the worst <laughs> but like are there any consistent kind of traps you hear songwriters falling into you know um, things that maybe it's like okay this is a this is a, maybe something that could easily be avoided if people knew that it was a common thing well um yeah I, i've noticed i mean a lot of songs from outside writers um it seems like sometimes people just try to write other people rewrite other people's songs um you know similar themes like they're writing it's like they're just writing because they want to be known as an artist or a writer, but they're not writing things with real passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and another way to put that maybe would be like one of our writers, uh, Benji Cowart, he said something like, if you're writing for thousands, you'll really write for nobody. But if you write for one, you can write for thousands. And there's something about like, if you really have a passion, if you really have like a real focus, it probably will connect with more people. It could, it could turn into a hit where um, I feel like when people try to write hits, when they try to write something that, uh, is going to be, you know, the, like in the congregational worship side of things, like if they want to write the next How Great Is Our God or something, I can almost guarantee you they won't um, hmm. because it's it's just so focused on maybe it's the wrong motives, I don't know. Um, but right. I feel like the songs in worship come from, you know, it's like after a sermon or something or during a sermon somebody gets, you know, a phrase or it's a spontaneous thing where, um, they just they get something that the church really needs to remember today, right. and and those are the songs that seem to bubble up and right. longevity. Looptimus Mini is a simple yet powerful way to control your music software. Use Looptimus Mini with Ableton Live, Prime, or any other MIDI-capable application. Looptimus Mini has three buttons that send MIDI notes, control changes and program changes to your music software. Whether you're using Looptimus Mini on its own or together with Looptimus, the possibilities at your feet are endless. Giving you hands-free control, do even more with Looptimus Mini, now available at looptimus.com. It's, it's interesting because you know you hear, if you ever go to any sort of songwriting workshop, where you hear someone talk about songwriting, I feel like a lot of times people talk about how important it is to co-write. You know, find other writers, write with them. It's so like, what do you think? Is that, do you think co-writing is necessary? And if, and if it is, why do you think co-writing didn't happen as much earlier? Because it seems like it's kind of something that's happened more and more in the past 10 years. That's a really great question. And I've, I've tried to um, understand it more as far as why it didn't happen years ago. Um, I will say, like, this is more in the Christian world it didn't happen. If you look at other genres of music, um, in the general market, people have been co-writing a bit longer. Um, so I don't know if it's just, it's kind of like the Christian genre of music is catching up or what, but uh, I think that it's great. Like, two are better than one. The verse in Ecclesiastes, uh, like, talking about, like, if somebody falls down, another one can help them up. Like, there's something about community and about, um, everybody brings something different to the table, so I think it's really great. But your observation is totally true that in the in the worship side of things, if you look back at um, 
the songs that are most sung, like in the CCLI charts in the late 90s, they were all single writers. And then slowly throughout the years, like mid-2000s, people started collaborating more. And now if you look at the, the songs that are the most sung in the church, I feel like it's three, four, five names um, of people. So Yeah, that's so I, interesting. It's super I, interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's just maybe now there's more people writing Christian music. I yeah. honestly have no idea. Or there's just more of a community of connect. <laughs> yeah, maybe like people are more connected. It's just interesting because I think I would think that in a world where everything's becoming more and more just it seems more and more self-driven, like me me me. Yeah. You would think that maybe it would actually have started the other way where like maybe 20 years ago everybody's co-writing and now it's like everybody's off in their own like island doing their own sure. thing for their own thing. Yeah, and I mean, if you look, if you pull back like a business side, you would think that people would want to own their own song, like just be one person. So, in in through Christian eyes, yeah, it looks like we're we're working backwards in a good way, where we're right. working together and we're giving and um, splitting things up. And um, I mean, ultimately, the more people you can have connected to a song, the more people you can have to champion it. Um, and on the backside of things, if you have more. You know, more publishers involved. Um, then you have more people that are are working the song, and so it's a really cool thing right. to see everybody work together. With our uh, technology right now, I mean, it's I've noticed it more and more. But people are writing right. like through Skype or FaceTime or Google Hangout or whatever. Um, we have a a writer that's uh, based in New Mexico now, and he was writing last week with somebody in Sweden, and like I'm getting requests to like schedule schedule co-writes and it's like i'm scheduling co-writes from people that live like thousands of miles away from each other and they're just connecting on their computer and writing songs it's like really neat to watch takes a village <laughs> takes a village to write a song takes a village i like that to raise a song <laughs> um well so switching gears a little bit you know you and i are both running businesses in the christian music <laughs> industry and I know for me, I mean, I, I was on staff at a church for, wow, probably total over 15 years. And there's probably some other worship leaders here listening to this who, you know, maybe maybe they feel like church music <laughs> or Christian music has just, has become their job. Mm. And I wonder, like, what what is what do you do to keep your passion and ministry from simply becoming a job? Because I know that you're not doing what you're doing just because, just for a paycheck. Um, but there is like an interesting mixture, right? Of like Christian music, like this is like, we're wanting to resource the church and like there's ministry to it, but it's also mm. your job. <laughs> so how do totally. you, you know, how, what do you do to keep like perspective and keep like passion and joy in what you do? I have no idea. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, man, you have, you have some good questions. I like this. Um, keeping it real. I ultimately... It is a fight, and it was a fight when I was a worship leader in our church, too. Like, I I remember having those thoughts of, like, I could just go up, stand up in front of this church, and they'd be all hyped up and love every second of it. And, like, to me, it means nothing today. Mm-hmm. And I think we go through seasons like that. I think there's times where that's normal, and you have to, you have to fight through and do what's right, um, and the feelings will often come. But as far as, like, the role I'm now in, um, I often will will fight in my mind to remember um, 
the journey of what got me here right. to remember that it wasn't like it wasn't something that it's honestly not something I deserve to do. Um, and so I remember that like God called me to this and then, um, right. I remember the ultimate, like the power of a song and like the ministry side of what I'm working on. Um, Mm -hmm. like when I think of success, I, I don't think of like album sales or downloads or whatever, but I, success to me is if my daughters, you know, I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a four month old, um, three little girls, if they're in 20 years singing a song that I had something to do with, right. um, that gets me excited. Um, and so I just, I remember those, like those two ends of like what got me here and what I'm hoping for. Um, and ultimately I, I try to give people like, I think when we get jaded, it's because we're looking at other people and we're judging other people and not mm-hmm. looking at our own hearts. And I think as Christians, mm-hmm. well, as humans in general i think we always like crucify everyone else and think everybody else um like we judge everybody else and think that like if they do something wrong we think that they have like the worst motives in the world and then when we do something wrong we can always justify it i think it's like reversing that so i'm always trying to like when i see something that seems not right right i always give everybody the benefit of the doubt um Mm -hmm. and i like that's ultimately helped me um because there's times, I mean, when you get behind a curtain and you start to see where some songs come from and you get to know some people and um, some, like, I'll sing songs in church and my mind will start wandering of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember him. He was a nice guy, you know. Right. Then there's times you're like, ooh, we're singing this song? That <laughs> guy was a jerk. Yeah. Um, but oh. the other side of that is like, where do our songs come from? If you think of like the psalms and you think of david man if we if we judge songs by the authors then it's a slippery slope so right yeah did that answer the question oh yeah totally i totally relate to that (laughs) it's funny because just like yesterday i mean don't tell anybody this but yesterday i was in holy yoga which basically it's yoga where they just like play christian music and it's (laughs) and it's uh christian perspective yoga (laughs) my wife my wife got me going to that (laughs) so that's private though so no one needs to know that but (laughs) Uh, Anyways, but it's funny because that actually happened. Like there was a song that came on that just brought back like a a thought that then like it was a very jaded thought. And sure. I thought, oh man, you know, don't, you know, don't go there. Don't go there. And I, I want to say too that I think for me, when I look back on just my journey of faith, there are songs, you know, I think back to like songs that really like impacted me as a young kid. Mm. And when I first started leading worship, and I remember like a song, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble? Yeah. Like that song just like is a, you know, a pillar (laughs) in my like history of faith. And there are these like little moments, there's these songs that really impact people and can change people's lives. And I always, when I'm, you know, here at Loop Community thinking about what we're doing and promoting songs, I'm really hoping that, you know, this song will be that song for some 14 year old kid mm-hmm. like did you feel the mountains tremble is for me sure or when i was leading worship you know maybe one of these songs in this set you know is going to be the song or this is going to be the the conference or the set where that where a kid really like gives his life to christ and it impacts the rest of his life and i think also to help keep perspective because i like what you said about how we start to lose perspective and we're like looking at others mm. i think that if i think what what is also what's helpful is if we're looking at others in a way that 
we're hearing their stories and hearing about how God has impacted them through the ministry. So when you, I'm sure when you hear people, you know, say something about how word worship or like an, an, a project or an album, you know, from word worship has impacted them, you know, hearing testimonies and stories about what God's doing through those songs kind of makes it all, all worth it and brings everything back into perspective totally. for me at least. So, so you've got this new project coming up that I've heard about. It's called The Church Will Sing. And I think it's a really fascinating project. And you even came out to Chicago a couple months ago and um, shared with us about it. But I would love for you to just share everybody, share with everybody who's listening to this podcast, like, what is this? Like, what, where'd this project come from? What is it? How's it different? Um, sure, yeah. The, the Church Will Sing, uh, we're about to launch the the project or launch the beginning of the project to tell everybody what it's about. So this is an exciting time for us, but um, it really came about, uh, I was like flipping through a hymnal and uh, just, it's, it hit me that back, I mean, in our our hymn days, like I was younger, I grew up in a church, they were using hymns before the contemporary worship uh, started to, to take over in our church or whatever. But um, I remember that like we'd recognize songwriters names you know, mm-hmm. Fanny Crosby, Newton, Luther, whatever, like they'd they'd be on the top left corner of the page and you'd start to see like, oh, there's another Fanny song. There's another, you know, like on and on. Um, and we're living in a day where, uh, and it's it's not a, a bad thing, but I feel like when, when you hear about a song, um, 99% of the church will reference the artist that performs it. Um, but the writers of these songs have... A catalog full of other songs that are amazing, and they often just sit on hard drives of computers and they're not heard um, until somebody else releases them. And so, like, I just, I guess the idea came about where I said, what if we release a project where we we get together? Um, I had a lot of just co-writing going on with a lot of our writers and a lot of writers outside of Word. Where I said, what if we get these writers together that have written songs like At the Cross, uh, Lover and Reg, Good Good Father, Revelation Song, just some of these huge songs that every everybody in the church will know. And we get these these guys to, guys and girls together and um, release some of the songs that come out of it directly to the church um, as like a, a nationally released project, but then invite the church to sing along um, mm-hmm. as part of the recording. So I don't know, it's it's a technological nightmare as far as recording goes, but we're we're right. literally releasing, actually through you guys, of course, we're going to be releasing the stems um, to these songs we've been working on, um, pre-release them to uh, a lot of different outlets, ultimately, and through Loop Community first, um, and let churches learn the songs, and then uh, through like an acoustic worship night, they can track their congregational vocals to the same key and tempo, and um, send the recordings to us, and we're going to mix those into the final project, uh, and then release them like we would any other project here. So, it's really exciting. Yeah, that is pretty cool, because that it's the ch- it's the voice of the church. Yeah, it's oh. not just one event, you know, one event at one church, but it's. Um, I mean, I've had hundreds of churches that have shown interest in doing it. Um, right. So it's really cool to think of just churches all over the United States and beyond singing the same songs. Um, and hearing them all blended together. When is when are you guys planning on releasing that? Uh, that's still up in the air because okay. of again just the uh, the nature of 
how hard it is coordinating so many churches and so many tracks uh, for the project. But we hope to we hope to have the songs ready to go out for the churches to hear within a month or two. That's awesome. And it'll be available everywhere where music is sold. That's the plan. Yeah, That's I mean good. we're gonna we're gonna put it up on iTunes and Spotify and Pandora and Amazon, Google. I don't know any everywhere. You name it, it's going. Reach yep. more people. Well, Jonathan, thanks for uh, joining us on this podcast. Um, maybe just as we're signing off, just tell people how they can find you, or if there's a website you want them to go check out, or sure, um, just visit uh, wordworship.com. Um, if you want to see songs that we're a part of, uh, we have a lot of resources there, uh, chord charts and different tutorials and whatnot. And as far as the Church Will Sing goes, we have the website, churchwillsing.com. Um, that's where you can sign up to be on the list uh, for the songs and also to receive all the updates along the way for the project. Awesome. All right. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Hopefully I'll be down to Nashville soon. We can go out for some hot chicken. Ooh, I like it. Good stuff. All right, man. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. All right, guys. Uh, Now in this episode, it's time for a segment that we like to call our Contributor Spotlight. We're going to do this every episode, and uh, we just pick one of our community contributors who has been with us and has uploaded tracks that are up on our site. Uh, and that they sell really well and they have a, a huge impact on the community. So for this episode, we've chosen uh, our contributor, Jan Hunter. Uh, Jan is a great guy um, that is from Fairfield, California. He's been with us probably a little over a year. And uh, he has done a track, one of his best ones, I think, uh, we'll let you hear it in a minute, is uh, God is Great by Ricky Dillard. Such an awesome song. And uh, he just did a great cover track for that. That's up on our site for sale. You can check that out at loopcommunity.com slash whyhuntermusic, the letter Y. Uh, and so we're just going to take a few moments to hear from him and to see what it is that he loves about Loop Community and also give you a little bit of a sample of that track. So here it is. Check it out. Hey there, this is Jan Hunter Jr. coming at you from Y Hunter Music Productions located in Fairfield, California. I am a proud contributor for over a year now and my experience has been nothing less than amazing uh, in my personal production and also in my church ministry. Having stems ready available right at my fingertips on my cell phone, uh, on my iPad, and of course my laptop. Uh, this is Jan Hunter Jr. once again coming at you from Y Hunter Music Productions. And I am LC. Peace out. This is Community Talk. Awesome. Well, so good to hear from Jonathan Mason. He had 
I mean, there was so much stuff that he said that I was just like blown away by. Stuff that I didn't even think about. It's like, you know, like I said earlier, that's the least part of the industry I'm familiar with. And so um, I was just like totally shocked and writing some things down. Like I was just like making some notes for myself because it's just, just good information. And it's cool to hear about all the different roles he's played and he's been in bands. He's kind of been a manager totally. when he was in bands and, you know, he's worn a lot of different hats. Yeah, he has. He was talking about empathy, and I think it does definitely allow him to empathize with his artists that are going out on tour and things and different stages they're in in their band. Yeah, I think when you have people that are looking in, you know, artists that are aspiring to be at that big level or, you know, even churches that are writing songs and getting to a point where they, you know, want to become, you know, the next song or get to that place where they're they know that the writing is getting into more and more churches and people are singing their songs I think they look at the industry at that perspective and they say wow and there's so many things that they don't see you know but they don't think about like the traveling and maybe being away from their families and you know some of the things that they just don't understand and then when you get into that seat you know it's a completely different world you know where I'm sure it's great like it's a passion that they have to do those things but sometimes maybe the grass isn't always greener as you think it might be when you're looking at it from this like you know from the outside looking in so yeah I think that is a big deal that he he's he sees it from all perspectives so he kind of knows we know when he's having an artist do something hey do this interview or do this uh, you know this on the road he knows what he's asking of them to actually do and what that means because it does require some sort of sacrifice. Yeah, and I, I think also what's a big thing for Jonathan, and you, you can hear his heart in this whole thing, right? That's what you know, I was gonna say. You can hear his, uh, you know, how faith and the Lord has just really played a part in who he is and the decisions he makes. I don't think he takes anything, you know, lightly. I, I think he weighs it heavily on his heart with what uh, he believes in, like, the deeper meaning just behind writing a song it's not just to get popularity or to have sales or to be the next big hit it's you know if i i love that quote that he said earlier is uh i think it was i can't remember who the guy was from that he was talking about but i don't write for like thousands you know i write for one mm-hmm. and if i do that you know i most of the time will end up writing for thousands because it's out of a passion and so i just like really appreciated yeah that aspect that of was what amazing. he said about that it's pretty yeah. cool yeah I think Word is lucky to have someone like him with great values because that kind of translates down into all of his co-workers and his team and all these artists, you know, have great yeah. support. And the music they're making, yeah. yeah. Not to mention that his office space is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it's pretty it cool to be able to look out true. and say, hey, you know, Elvis or this or that and just kind of like see the history of where he's been. So I think God has really put him in a position and given him a lot of experiences to be able to help the right kind of people get from A to B. Right, right. Totally. Anything else that you guys kind of stood out to you or that you kind of caught through him, what he was saying? I mean, like I said, I just found it interesting how he got to where he is. It sounded like it was never his goal, like Mm -hmm. ever, to work at a record label, to be the kind of director of the record label, but that's where he is, and I think he's very qualified to do what he does. Mm -hmm. Totally. Anything else? Matt? I thought it was good, too, what he was talking about, just with co-writing and um, how two are better than one. Yeah. Like, that it really, you know, you you can really craft something better when you have other ears on it, when you have other brains on it. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because I think that a lot of times we can get so 
kind of like well no this is my song i don't want anybody else like touching <laughs> it or yeah <laughs> hearing it even yeah um but you know being able to like you know just have open hands with it and being like hey what do you think of this and mm-hmm. involving other people i think in general in life in <laughs> like involving people in everything in like in your life involving people in decisions you're making right it's a pretty big thing yeah it it's it kind of spurs like one of the big things that we value here as a business as loop community that part of our name you know it stands out because we we want to have an environment for you know musicians artists labels worship leaders all these people to understand that there's a community of us doing this for the kingdom together and uh there there might not always things that we see eye to eye you know you know because an artist may be very different from what a worship leader does on a sunday um but they they have common goals i think to you know craft their art and to do it because they know that's something that god's given them and they want to do it with excellence right and so i think that kind of hashing that back and forth um, builds trust and it builds openness between people to kind of you know have a greater sense of community and and to kind of become better at what we do yeah yeah as he was talking i was like oh man he could be like a pastor like he was just like yeah yeah he was just saying so many things that i thought were so good for worship leaders to hear yeah yeah um you know especially when there's just this like maybe even pressure this feeling like you have to maybe even climb the ladder as a worship leader or become bigger yeah (laughs) and like some sort of famous star or something yeah you can kind of get especially in his position you can kind of get bogged down in uh you know business more business related things you know numbers and uh, sales and everything like that that are important to survive as a company but the fact that he has these great values and goals really drives all of that and then the sales and the music kind of follows those great big ideas yeah he really really has the heart behind it so it was awesome so good so uh man thank you jonathan yeah for for hanging out with us on this podcast and uh we got a bunch of cool podcasts coming great interviews on the way so so much good stuff so stay tuned hey if you are listening to this do us a favor and hit subscribe subscribe to the podcast subscribe right chris (laughs) Please, please subscribe, everyone. (laughs) Subscribe. Hey, thanks for being part of the community. Later.